This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Rajan from Trua, and we'll be learning about the business case, the cost-benefit analysis, the use case for why prospects and customers pick Trua. So let's do some introductions. Raj, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Trua? Hey, good morning, William. My name is Raj Anantan Palai. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Trua. Trua is an all-in-one digital identity and screening solution company, primarily targeting HR recruiters, safety and security in marketplaces, and so on and so forth. We've been around in different forms of companies. Trua is a spin-off of another company called Endera, mm-hmm. which was a spin-off of another company called Infosense. We've been in that business for over 20 years. And are we within the four walls of the U.S.? Or we do international? Right now, we are predominantly in the United States. Right. And do... Yes. Oh, go ahead. No, finish your thought. No, but it's like fishing in Pacific Ocean. So it's a big market. Yeah, and if it's more specialized, it gets small, which is great because then you can get dominant faster. Do right. folks put you in the kind of background check, background screening category, or do they put you in a different category? We, we are actually a new generation. If you think about today's background check industry, right. 99 plus percent is regulated. That means they have to adhere to FCRA rules and right. you know, FTC and EEOC, all kinds of regulations. We are the very first solution that is non-regulated in the sense that it's, it's an all-in-one, as I said, a digital identity and screening solution. Uh, streamlines background checks and fraud prevention processes mm-hmm. for HR departments. The beauty of that is it eliminates, because of the data is first verified by the candidate, it eliminates dispute and adverse action process, further gr- reducing regulatory burden and legal risk for companies and HR departments. A few questions. One is, I love that you managing risk, managing fraud, managing, because that's been, that's historically been why we use background checks in the first place. So I want to make sure I understand this is pre-hire. And if so, do you ever foresee this being post-hire, meaning something that goes and continues on with employees? One of the things is, <laughs> funny you should ask, because our other company, Endera, has been in the post-hire workforce risk management. We've been around for five plus years and we've got Fortune 50 companies using our software for post-hire. One of the questions that came along is, hey, you guys do it very well and it's a non-regulated approach. Do you have anything for pre-hire? Because we could not use that for pre-hire because the consent and the review of the data was not performed by the individual. So between that and all of the breaches that was going around back in, you know, 2017-18 timeframe, we started putting our heads together to develop this uh, new platform called Trua, which first lets the consumer or the individual or the applicant verify the data. So Trua score, we call it, is always current, like a FICO score. Okay, it's always current, so you don't have to do post-hire risk or pre-hire. You don't have to DV up that. So you start from recruiting all the way to full life cycle of the employer, uh, employee or the candidate, right? It, so that's how we do it. It sounds, I don't know if it is or isn't, but it sounds like what, something that could be done on blockchain where, again, everything is verified, again, eliminating the fraud. 
but I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole if if it's not if it's not blockchain now or oh, absolutely. You were you took the words right out of mind. Our our technology, our system is built on a blockchain ledger because ah, we, okay. we use the security features of the blockchain ledger. Yeah. So here's what it is, right? We let the true or primarily is built with privacy and data protection mind. It adheres to stringent data privacy and consumer protection laws and regulations. And they get to control that, whether or not they gave access to that or not. Yep, ensuring yeah. the personal information handled appropriately and secured. That's cool. Uh, so the way we approach to data minimization, uh, only the necessary information is collected, minimizing the risk of data breaches or identity theft. Uh, it powers the individual to verify it. That way there is no dispute for HR managers. So giving them full control over the level of information that they want to share. For example, if you are in the gig economy and for trust and safety there, hey, they're looking for just criminal information, right? You just share the criminal information. You don't need to share any civil infractions or civil issues or any other information that you have. Because typically what happens in a traditional background check, you get a 30, 40, 50 page report, and then the HR department has to sift through all of that. And it could be a hot potato because Every state has different regulations. Think about it, right? California, New York, and all kinds of regulations. Hey, if this is a type of misdemeanor or a felony, you cannot use that for any hiring if it's more than five years old or 10 years old, depending on the state statutes and so on and so forth. So we have taken all of that and codified and put into the system, which is saying, okay, we we have a three-dimensional decision matrix for every event that individual has. It says, okay, uh, time, type of uh, event or recency. And then we map the sentencing guidelines and also the state statutes and federal statutes and say, okay, what does this state say? Oh, you can use this. I'm just using this as an example. This person had a shoplifting event six years ago, right? Eh? Uh, in certain states, you cannot use that if it's more than two years old. Right. So we apply all of that morass that people have to go through and say, okay, this is the curated event that adheres to all of the state regulations and laws. And then you can, and by the way, the consumer has already verified it and then you can use it. So the hiring becomes fast and then say, okay. And in the gig economy, as there are 60, 65 million people in the gig shared economy, they're looking for jobs, they're changing jobs every two months, three months. They have to constantly keep giving this so they could have this in their wallet if necessary. And then say, hey, I already have my stuff and here's my criminal verification. Here's my professional license verification, if that's what, education verification, and so on and so forth. One of the things that we saw was there are a lot of static stuff in an individual like your degree, your credentials in a professional license and so on and so forth. They are predominantly static rather than for renewals or or disbarment and things like that, but predominantly static. But still, every time you look for a job, they do a background check, they have to check that over and over again. Why? It's a huge nonsense, in my opinion. Only thing that changes is your court record. You could be arrested, you could have right. some issues and so on and so forth. So we focus on some of those data and we call it deterministic data. Right. right? That means it is for sure belongs to you. That is what we always work on. That's why most of the, if you look at billions of dollars of legal litigation that's going on, is 
because of these uh, due process and wrongful attribution of data to a certain individual. Right. We clean that all up. That's why we got five plus patents on these things. And we've been doing this for over 20 years, just trying to determine the data that belongs to the individual. So uh, a few questions. Let's start with keeping up with the data. Is there certain things that the the individual that has to keep up with if they change their cell phone or their address or maybe they change their mind on different permissions, et cetera? Yeah. And is there certain data that's just already mined from outside outside data sources? Yeah. To keep we, it current. Yeah, right? it is always current, right? Right. Because right up front, we, we disclose everything and it's current. And then... When you share this data, by the way, none of the underlying data is ever shared. That's what is, we put it in a blockchain, all of the raw data right. so that nobody can touch it except you as an individual. And, and then what is shared is, hey, you don't have like a, a truer score. For those who want to look at that, it's in our website, uh, truerme.com. It'll sh- show you, hey, this is the score. Okay, this says, okay, one or more criminal event, if necessary. And if you click on it, it'll tell you, oh, it was a minor misdemeanor or whatever it is, jaywalking, right? You can make that decision if you want. And the individual has turned that feature on. They can turn it off anytime and for every share. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, it's not just all in one. Every right. time they want to share with an employer or somebody else, they can do that. The first time they need to be sponsored by somebody. In this case, usually because Today, it's all B2B. So they get sponsored by a company and then they can take it with them for the rest of their lives. And it's always current. And if they change their phone number or email or whatever it is, they're all verified and then updated. So I think you mentioned safety. And if you did, I wanted to ask you, do we keep track of accidents or or work claims, et cetera? Uh, It depends, right? We go with all of the deterministic data. Meaning, you know, it's objective. We don't want to bother with that. That's yeah, why yeah, we yeah. look at social media data because that could be just garbage. Most of it media. is. <laughs> no, so, yeah, somebody could be ranting. That doesn't mean that person is a wrong, has right. done something wrong, right? So we look for deterministic data. Probabilistic data, we can get to it, right? We have it, but that needs a little further evolution. Right. Where do we fit in with the kind of the recruiter workflow? So as they're going through their process, obviously they're sourcing, they're going to find the candidates. Once they find the candidates, then recruiters do their bit. And I'm assuming it's this is somewhere in that process. Yeah, one of two things, right? As as soon as, here's the best part, right? Because it's it's a newer product that's been in the market. The Trua score has been in the market for a little over a year. And the Trua ID, we, we just launched just the ID piece alone a month ago, right? Because when we talked to the banks, they said, hey, your identity verification seems to be very compelling. The reason why we did that was when you are presented with court record, it is so intimate. We want to absolutely make sure you are who you say you are. That's why we went through that process. And then they said, hey, that ID process or ID verification process is very compelling. And that gave us an idea to just separate that also. What happens is within the employer base, the employer sponsors. They say, hey, the recruiter says, we got 50 plus customers right now. But they say, hey, I'm going to hire somebody, go get this true score. And they go through the process and it is shared and they come on board. That's the that's one process. The second process, when they can advertise, for example, this is where the future is. 
they can advertise that, hey, for this position, I need a bachelor's degree, two years of experience, and a truer score of, I'm just making this up, 325 and above, right? Right. Oh, and that can say, if you want to get your truer score, put a link there, and then they get it. They get the truer score, and they can be reimbursed for that, obviously. And then they submit the score, right? If they know if it's not 325, or let's say this person had a criminal uh, uh, record, 290, they're not going to apply for the job, right? And then the recruiters has already made it clear. They don't have to deal with this hot potato. And oh my God, because you cannot, it's called ban the box in 32 or 36 states. You cannot ask the candidate if you have a criminal record until and after you offer them a job. Let's assume you pick a candidate, go through the interview, pick a candidate, spend eight to 10 weeks in trying to come to a candidate or candidates, and then you do a background check, and then that's where it happens. And then you have to justify, is this criminal record relevant to the job, right? Oh my God, this is so much burden on (laughs) HR people, right? Instead, up front, you get it done, right? Hey, you verify and let us know, boom. Almost all of them will self-opt out. Hey, I'm not going to be qualified for this job. So what's I the pr- what's the what's the price, Raj? What's the pricing model? Not pricing per se, but but I've seen these kind of priced out in different ways. Yep, I think always, the audience. Uh, is a, we are trying to standardize that, right? Today, a background right. check can go from a cheesy internet search, which is nothing, which is a scam, actually, in my opinion, right. to a real good to close to $200 sometimes, depending on what you want to check. You want to check driver's records, MVR, professional licenses, all kinds of stuff, right? We just focus on what I call the 80% case, right? 80% of the employers need these set of minimum criteria. Verify the name, date of birth, social, and then address history, seven years address history. That will give you, if this person has moved from one county to another county, if they committed some crime in another county that you're not aware of, right? That's why we collect the address history as well. And then the criminal, civil, professional license verification and anything else you want to do it. So that's all there. It's depending on the volume and whatnot. It's it's in the 75, 50 to $75 range, depending on the depth D- of that. Dumb question alert, Raj, but how do we know that person filling that out is actually that person? The reason I ask this question is recruiters will sometimes tell me about fraud stories where they hiring a, an engineer, they've taken them through skills testing, all everything, behavioral assessments, the whole bit, only to find out that the person that was doing all that is not the actual person that's controlled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly the first day of what, work. Well, you mean you, you mean, this is a perfect example. <laughs> Most background checks do not do identity verification. Right. Especially in this day and age when there's a lot of remote hiring is happening. And AI. <laughs> no, remote hiring, they have their lookalikes or, or pictures mm. and they, they do show their face once and so on and so forth, right? And then it's all a, a, a thing. The key to avoid that is perform identity. Today in the background check world, identity verification is an afterthought. What we do is right up front, we verify the identity, which is proof their government issued ID. And then we do a liveness detection of the individual. You can't just say, this is my driver's license picture, because right. we say, okay, show us a liveness picture. We detect the liveness of the individual, and then we verify the social, the date of birth, the address, seven years worth of address history, and then we present it to them, 
uh, all of their criminal uh, court records or civil court records. And then if they have a, a license, the requirement, like it's a, a, a driving license, not driving license, professional license for something, a hairdresser or a CPA or whatever it is. And we verify that. And then it's part of your profile. And the profile is only macro attributes are disclosed. None of right. the underlying information is ever disclosed. And now they say, hey, you were sponsored by IBM. I'm just using that as an example. And then go ahead and share it with them. You have verified and you shared with them the affiliation. We make the connection and the employer gets it. They get a portal of all the people that have true scores and it gives them a view, quick view of who the scores are changing and whatnot. And then that's how we go through the process. I love it. Okay. So let's do some buy side questions for the practitioners listening. One is your favorite or your team's favorite part of the demo. Like you, when you get them to this part of the demo, you know that they're going to aha moment, whatever, you know that they're going to really fall in love with it. Yeah. It's very simple. And we start, oh, you do identity verification. Yes, sir. Okay. Or yes, ma'am. And we do that right off the bat. It's a very simple process. And then we give them a score and say, hey, you don't have to rack your brain because we give you a criteria. What is a 320? It's just like a FICO score. You know what a 600 or 700 or 800 means, right? right. And that's how you design the benefits of the loan or the interest rate and so on and so forth. And th- we are talking to a very large, what I call a job board, for example, right? They want to attach this to all of their candidates on their database. That way, if uh, they are talking to employers that say, hey, I want a candidate with a 350 and above because this is for financial or the finance department, for example, right? Oh, this is for the shop floor. Okay, I can live with 320. So we give them the criteria that, hey, you don't have to worry about all of those things. If it's a 290, what does that mean? So it's just like looking at the score and say, wow, I don't have to deal with walking on eggshells if this person is going to sue me because I didn't ask this question or I asked them this question or anything. Nothing of that because it is absolutely non-regulated. And this is especially good for medium and, and small businesses, even more because they can't afford to have a compliance department. They're probably a front office person is the one doing all of the recruiting and hiring sometimes. Right. So that this is even more uh, compelling for some of those people who don't have a compliance department. Even those who have compliance department, the biggest part is, in fact, I wrote an article for Forbes, you'll see that, you can reduce your business insurance significantly. Right. right. Because uh, that's where the, the hiring practices, liability insurance or whatever comes under. It literally goes to zero. That's fantastic. Okay. So questions, people buying identity verification for the first time, or maybe not for the first time, what are the questions that they should be asking you and your team? Hey, how does the, how do I know the candidate is going through the process? That's usually the question that we get. They sponsor, they send an invite, it's called an invitation process. They send an invite. Hey, here's a link. We are ready to make you an offer. In the meantime, get your true score so we know your background, right? And then, by the way, we protect your privacy and blah, blah, blah. It's a good thing. It's a good, attractive tool for attracting candidates. Oh, this employer really respects my privacy. Think about that, right? Yeah. People usually use this to, to penalize or this or that. So right. You're it's actually pun- it's making punitive. It yeah. Yeah. Be making it easy for them to say, hey, okay, this person really respects. I don't need all of that information. 
because I'm still not an employee. Yes, when you become an employee, you have to give your social and other personal information right, to right. get on the payroll. But until then, you're walking around with all these hot information and personal data. Look at the employers. Oh, I don't have to worry about all of that. You don't have to worry about storing any of that. So those are all, every step we have, it's a very simple step. Every step we go through, people say, whoa, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Yep, 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 yep. So, and it takes about five minutes or so, right? And you send them today and it's available next day, depending on if you have to go through a paywall state where they take 48 hours to send back some information. But other than that, most of it, we do it pretty fast. And no cost to the individual. No uh, cost to the individual. Unless the individual is trying, to, and, and unless the employer says that we are almost ready to sign up a customer We've been talking to them for a couple of months. They have a couple of thousand contractors that and say, hey, being part of our platform, you have to get your truest code. That way we can, next time when we have a, when we send you to a different job site, it's easy. That way you don't have to keep doing this over and over again. And it's a value add for this particular company because they say, hey, I am giving you a pre-vetted candidate right off the bat and they're ready to go tomorrow. It works for both people. Right. And the candidate. Because you've been doing this so long and without naming names or any of that type of stuff, what are some of the horror stories that you've seen or heard of around identity verification? Oh, we, we have dead people. In fact, there's a case study that we did with a very critical infrastructure, a dead person walking around with their, uh, their brother's uh, identity and, and the badge. Wow. At a facility. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I swear to God. And, and wow! It's about they gave us about fifty thousand. Uh, we did a pilot for them, and it just blew my mind. I said, "How the heck this can happen?" So that's where there are some people. They complain, "Hey, my identity is not going through." Okay, is your driver's license valid, or is it you're faking somebody else's? Right. So they, they try to pull a fast one sometimes, right? But once you go through this, in general, right? I always believe that in general, people want to do the right thing. Right. Unfortunately, the society and the environment sometimes screws it up and they and builds the mistrust. So I'm a big believer that give the individual the opportunity to own their own data. You know, in, in that scenario, Raj, it would be really the ethical dilemma of if that employee was a high performer. Okay, all the things that we stated and covered, but what if we found out that employee was one of our best salespeople, let's just say, mm-hmm. then what do we do? I know the easy answers, we got to let them go, you, you know. Oh, you mean, you mean if they had an uh, issue, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, a post-hire issue. Post-hire, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's your company policy, right? If your company, HR manuals, <laughs> I, I know, I know, because I, this is a good example you brought up, right? Financial <laughs> services are a big deal, right? Yeah. So I always tell, right, what are, the, what are you most interested in? Uh, financial compliance, financial issues, and so on and so forth, okay? If somebody gets a DUI, for example. Do you right? care? I always say that that person probably did a million dollar deal, had a party, right? And then he got pulled over. You have to make that judgment. That's right. And arbitrarily, you can't just say if you have a DEI or out. But regulatory issues could potentially make that happen. And Good point. The regulated industry is always an issue. 
That's why I am trying. This is a stepping stone in trying to get the regulators off of these kinds of. The reason right. why the regulators came in is because think about it. Today, if it was arbitrary. Identity, yeah. No background check or identity verification. What happens is you are not part. You as an individual is not part of the process. A employer works with a third party background check company and that says, "Hey, we are going to hire this person," and they send a link to this person, fill out this form, and then they collect all the personal information. And the employer and the third party are communicating amongst themselves. You right. are left out. I say, when you are brought into the equation, you can eliminate three thousand pages of regulation from all the books and save yourself a lot of money, time, effort, and legal risk. And then from the candidate experience perspective, yep. the they candidate and the candidate gets something. They understand yep. what's going on. They've given yep. permission. They feel more, empowered. yeah, more empowered, more part of the process. Yep. Raj, and is, it's an easy process. Oh, this company really likes me. Yep. And they're giving me this option that I don't have to share all this. But every time you give out your information, you cringe sometimes. Yeah. What happens? You enter the process, you're not getting the job. Think they still have that data. Yes. And what does the company <laughs> have to do? Oh, my God, they have to retain because EEOC comes and says, hey, right. why didn't you hire this person? That's right. <laughs> In this case, you don't have to do anything. Right. It's... Well, Raj, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I absolutely love what you've built and are building. So just thanks for coming on and, and explaining what you've got going on. Oh, Thank you, William. This is great. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time.